Welcome to Losing a Child, Always Andy's Mom. On this podcast, we journey through the devastating experience of the death of a child. Grief is seldom discussed openly in our culture, and the death of a child makes people feel even more uncomfortable. We approach the topic openly and honestly, speaking to people who have lost loved ones and experts who help care for them. Whether you are a parent experiencing loss or someone who wants to support another going through this tragedy, this podcast strives to offer hope and help. Welcome to episode 194 of Losing a Child, Always Andy's Mom. I'm Marcy Larson, Andy's Mom. I am so excited to introduce you to this amazing couple, Greg and Kathy. They have turned the tragedy of losing their son, Ryan, to suicide into a just wonderful ministry to other grieving parents and to help educate people about what it's like to lose a child. I just know that you are going to love both of them and their insights. I do have a couple of housekeeping issues, three actually, that I normally don't do at the beginning of these introductions, but there were a few errors that I want to kind of clarify. The first is that Greg talked about a book towards the end of the episode by Levi Lusco, And we could not come up with the name of the book, but the name of the book is Through the Eyes of a Lion. It is a great book that we both really enjoy. So that's the name of that book. The second thing is, is that we talk about the fact that Eric and I are going to be on their podcast. They have a podcast as well. And that will be a few weeks from this release. So he thinks it's going to be towards the end of June. So you can look for it then. Their podcast is called Hope After Child Loss, and it is through the Empty Chair Endeavor, not to be confused with the While We're Waiting podcast, which is also titled While We're Waiting, Hope After Child Loss. So don't get those two confused, although that second podcast is amazing. And that's the third little clarification. I said that they were from uh, Little Rock, Ocarnstar, but that is not true. They are based out of Hot Springs, and I have been to visit them there, and it's just a wonderful organization. But I did want to clarify that's Hot Springs, not Little Rock, Arkansas. I visited both places on that trip and just misspoke. So right now, after all of that little clarification, I want you to just sit back and enjoy listening to Greg and Kathy, Ryan's parents. so much to my two guests today. So today I have Greg and Kathy. They are Ryan's mom and dad, and they're here to talk to us today about their wonderful son, Ryan, and what they've done with their grief journey. I was just sharing with them that you're my second set of parents that are Ryan's parents. So it's kind of cool for me to have Ryan's parents again, though, if all of my listeners remember this was a long time ago, but this was a much younger Ryan that we had on the podcast before. So this is a kind of a gr- more grown up Ryan. Yeah. But welcome to Ryan's mom and dad. Well, thank you. Thank you. We're honored to be here. Yeah, I'm excited to have you on. So do you want to start out by just telling us all about your son, Ryan? Sure. Oh, wow. <laughs> you want to start, mom? <laughs> <laughs> We had Ryan for 26 years, mm-hmm. and he was 
kind of our every baby is a miracle but ryan really was our our miracle baby we had our daughter whitney in 1980 and had two miscarriages in between and ryan was born in 1989 wow it was a bit of a scary pregnancy you know but right he came out just you know full of full of life and perfect and uh just um as he grew older he was just a a joy to be around he was funny he was so energetic he just about wore us out but (laughs) um just just a funny funny little fellow and he and Whitney had such a special relationship, mm-hmm. her being almost 10 years older, and she had waited so long for a sibling. He was just like her play toy. And <laughs> yeah. uh, they, they, you know, she would dress him in these crazy outfits and they would put on a show for us. And Ryan was definitely in his element there because he loved to be the center of attention and loved <laughs> to make I mean, his goal was to see just how much he could make you laugh. Really? Oh, yeah. And he was really good at it. He was. You know, he could he could watch a movie and impersonate the actor and remember lines from a movie. And he just he just would crack us up all the time. <laughs> As he got older, he struggled with some some issues some of which we didn't know about until actually until after he was gone mm-hmm. but he did struggle as he got older struggled with um some depression and anxiety yeah but when he passed away he was actually doing all the right things he was yeah. seeing a counselor seeing a psychiatrist taking his meds he had a beautiful wife Catherine and they had a baby girl um, in 2015, in January of 2015. And we lost Ryan in October of 2015. So he really did not get to, to know her. To know her. Yeah, yeah. But she's a beautiful little girl, a spitting image of him, even her personality. She's, she's so much like him. So, yeah. He was a he was a special guy. And and I'll add this to Marcy as a as a physician, you probably would appreciate this. We spent many hours in the emergency room in one of our local hospitals mm-hmm. uh, because Ryan knew no fear. Yeah. So he would try anything. And as yeah. a result of that, yep. we got to be very familiar with the emergency rooms and the emergency physicians. And we, we were convinced that if we, if we had one or two more visits, they were going to put a plaque over one of the doors. What's the, his name? It's the, yeah. the Ryan Bufkin exam room. Yeah. We, we, had, we had many close calls. Yes, we did. You know, that's funny. I just talked to a mom yesterday who I seem to see all the time. And I said, should we just put just a block, an appointment slot Every week in my calendar, just stick your last name on it, just knowing that you'll bring one of the kids in. And she's like, I think maybe that's not a bad idea. (laughs) Well, we can identify. Definitely. (laughs) So from the outside, everything looked 
really probably lovely in his life, huh? Yep. Until until he's his teenage years. Yeah. Yeah. And then we we struggled. Yep. Yeah. And Marcy, we haven't we really haven't talked about this very much with very many people. There are a handful of people who know us really well that we have shared this with. And when Kathy made a reference a few minutes ago about something that we discovered after Ryan had died, what she was referring to, it's a little bit difficult to talk about. It was three, about three years after he died, our daughter Whitney was talking with someone who knew him. Mm-hmm. She said that, that she confided, that Ryan had confided in her that when he was young, he was sexually molested. And we never knew that. We had no clue. He never talked with us about it. As far as we know, he never talked with his, any of his physicians about it. He did see a counselor a few times when he was in his mid-teen years, I guess it was. That never came out with them either because we, we were friends with the counselor and we, I believe that he would have shared that with us just because. Well, I mean, as a counselor, you are a mandatory reporter of abuse. Exactly. So if that would have, I mean, considering if that was a a person over the age of 18 or whatever, then that would have meant something they could not have kept hidden from you. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And interestingly enough, he told this individual that he had, she was the first person he had ever shared this with. And so when, when we look back, it's when Whitney shared that with us, it was like puzzle pieces started falling together. Yeah. And what I mean by that is when Kathy said that he had some issues when he was in his teens, there were things that he started getting involved in, decisions and choices that he started making that just were so out of character Uh, Because when Ryan was five years old, he asked Jesus into his life, Mm -hmm. and Ryan Mm -hmm. loved Jesus. And so when some of these behaviors started popping up, we felt like we were constantly trying to put out fires, and we couldn't figure out what it was that, what was actually the cause of all of this. Mm -hmm. We thought it was really more rebellion than, than anything else, just you know, attributed it to being a typical teenager. Teenager. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But then after the fact, after we, after, you know, we learned this, we knew by that point in our lives that those kinds of behaviors are so predictable for young people who were molested in their, in their younger years. And we mm-hmm. don't, we don't even know at what age it happened. Yeah. You know, it's hard as a parent especially as a dad, to learn that because I'm supposed to be my children's defender and protector. And yeah. when I found that out, it was, you know, I, I felt guilty, but I didn't know about it to stop it. No. That wrecked me when, when I found that out because it was, I couldn't do anything about it. I couldn't do anything to the perpetrator. Because you have no idea who it is. Yes, I did yes, know who it do. was. And oh, you did? Oh, okay. yeah. Yes, unfortunately, it was my own father. Oh, my. And it wasn't just Ryan. It was it was a couple of other nephews as well. Oh, my goodness. Yep. That's just horrific. And yeah, by that, that time, he was yeah. he was already dead at that point. My, and my was... father had already died at that point. When we yeah. found out, yeah. Oh. Yeah. Wow. 
Yeah, that is a lot. Yeah. That is a lot. It is a lot. And I, I understand better now why why Ryan got to a point where he maybe just could not handle it any longer. Right. Yeah. I mean, it, suicide leaves so many questions mm-hmm. that you know, we'll never have the answers to on this side of heaven, but so does being molested. Yeah. 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 So I think it affected every, everything about him in his teenage years when we were struggling with so many issues with him. And then I think even in his, in his marriage. Yeah. Yeah. I think it, it caused some hard things. Mm-hmm. Well, I think, you know, it, it's not right, but oftentimes men feel like they shouldn't let things like that happen to them. I mean, he was a little boy and it was his grandfather. So it's not like you could have stopped that. But still, I think you have a hard time as a man admitting even to your wife, you know, that that happened to you because you're supposed to be like the strong one. And he's supposed to be the strong one taking care of her, taking care of their new baby, all of this stuff. And it's and it ends up being kind of admitting weakness, which is totally not right but i think it's what happens in the head right yes i mean yeah i agree yes and and we talk all the time that feelings don't have to be rational or real rational to be real so those were irrational thoughts obviously that he could have in any way stopped that but you can't get over if that's what's going through your mind Mm -hmm. then that's what's going through your mind exactly yeah because you would have thought he would have told someone else if right. he didn't feel a little bit of that, like, just like it shouldn't have happened. Right. Exactly. I think that's the case with most young people who are molested. They just, mm-hmm. they don't typically share it. Norm, uh, uh, all too often it comes out in their adult years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He didn't share, he didn't even share it with his wife, Catherine. Catherine didn't know about it. So, no. you know. Well, and it's so hard with teens because I told you if it was an adult, obviously that would have been, you know, come out to mm-hmm. in therapy or whatever, right? Because yeah. the police would have gotten involved. Sure. But if it's another child, then sometimes it doesn't. And anyway, I have had kids tell me that they've been sexually active with another kid and I can't tell their parents. And then their parents are mad at them because they're acting out and acting horrible. Mm-hmm. And I know very well why. I mean, I know why. Right. Yeah. And I can't, like, share. What I can do is encourage, 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 encourage to tell mm-hmm. their parents. And mm-hmm. yeah, I have gotten everyone to be able eventually to tell their parents, which is, I think, the most key thing to do if you can get somebody to Absolutely. talk to their parents. Because it changes everything. Sure. As soon as that gets out there, then all these parents that are mad at how their kids acting out suddenly understand, and everything is different. Absolutely. And if you can get kids to understand, like your parents aren't going to be mad at you, they're not. Right. Because they all think their parents would be mad at them. Mm-hmm. No, I'm. I am so glad that you were able to do that for those kids. Oh yeah. That's well. It takes a lot, and it and it about kills me to not tell the parents, but. It, I can't, yep. right? You know, I there's can't certain imagine. things I can't say. Yep. But if you can get, eventually get the kid to do it, it's better anyway, right? Yeah, yeah. sure. Yeah, that's got to be quite a quandary for you. Mm. Oh, it is. 
It's really hard. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's hard. It's easier if it's an adult and if it's a legal issue. And sure. then I just have to report it. And then it's out of my hands. So it makes life a lot easier for me. Although it's in many ways harder when it's an adult with a kid too, because that trust factor is just so. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's just our trust is so violated when an adult treats them like that. So. Yes. But anyway, I can understand so much of the agony that he must have been going through for so many years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I hate to think what he went through. Yeah. 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 Marcy, we're so very thankful that, you know, that Ryan is with Jesus now. He's eternally 26 years old, I believe. Yeah. And he is whole again. He doesn't have to live with any of that any longer. Mm-hmm. He's got a perfect life. And, um, and we know we'll see him again. Absolutely. For sure. Mm-hmm. 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 If I had not known that, then I'm not sure that I would even be here today. If I did not have that hope and assurance that I would see him again, you know, as a, as a mom, as a parent, that is certainly the one thing you cling to. I was just going to say the same thing. Yeah, that's what I cling to, too. And it, it, it would be I would have a hard time knowing how I would be mm-hmm. if I did, if I felt like I would never see him again. Yeah. 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 You know what it's like. You've been there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So why don't you talk about that time right after Ryan died? And so how did you find out about that? Because you were, he wasn't living with you anymore. Obviously, he was uh, right. on his own. Right. With his own family. Well, the way we found out, Marcy, uh, we were actually out of out of town, up in the mountains of North Carolina with some friends of ours just for a getaway weekend. Mm -hmm. It was Sunday morning and we were packing up actually to head back home. And I had gone down to the lobby to just to get us some coffee and bring back up to the room. Mm -hmm. I got a phone call. That phone call that every parent dreads. Yeah. And it was actually Ryan's mother-in-law. Catherine's mom. Catherine's mom mm-hmm. sharing that news with me. And I, at that point, I was supposed to call the coroner. And the coroner was supposed to share more with me. So I think I, I was just in such a state of shock. That, you know, I made that phone call and, you know, the coroner filled me in and it had happened right after midnight on, on Saturday night. And so at that point. And he was in, he was in Michigan. Yeah. At the time. Oh, he was in Michigan. Oh my. He was in Michigan. Yes. So he was. Because you're in South Carolina. Right. Yeah. That's where he lived too. So right. he was right. far, far away from home. And. With some another young lady yep, he, that he had befriended at work that led to and, to something that that shouldn't have. Yeah. Okay. And uh, she lived in Michigan. She worked in Charleston where he was working, but she was from Michigan. So she talked, you know, convinced him to drive up to her home in Michigan to meet her parents. All this time, he's, you know, married to Catherine and has a baby. So his mind was not even, that was not my son. That, that yeah. was 
that was not Ryan. And he, he shot himself. So that's, yeah. Yeah. And then the hardest, I would say the second hardest thing that, that I had to do that day was to go figure out how I was going to get, share this with Kathy. I just, I didn't know how I was even going to be able to say it. And interestingly enough, Marcy, when I walked out of the lobby of the hotel with the coffee and I walked up to the, to the uh, garbage pail and dumped both of them. And as I turned to go to the elevator, I heard a voice behind me and it was a gentleman who said, he said, excuse me, I couldn't help but overhear your conversation in the lobby. And he said, I'm a Christian man, and I just wondered if it would be okay for me to pray for you. And I was like, uh, absolutely. I, yeah. I could certainly use that right now. And so right, right then and there in the hallway, he prayed for me, and I headed up the stairwell. And Kathy was actually coming down the stairwell uh, because she had actually gotten a call from Catherine's mom also, but she didn't tell Kathy what happened. She said, you just need to talk to Greg. And so there in that stairwell, I told Kathy and we just stood there and cried and, and hugged each other and tried to figure out how we were going to go forward. And then we had a four hour drive ahead of us. Mm-hmm. I didn't know how in the world I was going to drive home uh, because I was really not, not in much of a, of uh, a condition to, to drive, but you know, it's, you understand you're a believer and you know, God promises us a peace that, that transcends understanding. So we got in the car. I have to tell you that that was the first time that I've ever experienced God's peace at a level like that, that made absolutely no logical sense whatsoever. And Mm -hmm. I, in that moment, I knew that it was him. There was no other explanation. This is God is giving me the peace that I need right now to get us home. Yeah. That's funny because when you said, when you said, I don't know how I was going to get home, I thought, well, by God's grace. I mean, absolutely. By God's grace. Yeah. That is how we got home. Yep. And when we drove up in the driveway, Marcy, I had called a couple of people at our church just that are close friends just to let them know what had happened. And so we drive up in the driveway. And before we could get out of the car, another couple, whose kids were Ryan, who grew up with Ryan, they were mm-hmm. walking up to our car to help us unload and just get our stuff inside and get us settled. Because they had heard. They had heard about it. And how they knew what, I don't know how they had any clue what time we were getting home, but they were sitting there waiting. And, you know, Kathy and I are really big proponents of, being involved in community, you know, small groups, that's, that's how we do life. And the importance of that was really driven home that day because after this couple left, people started coming in, you know, family and friends. And 
So eight years later, I couldn't tell you anything that Warren and Christy said to us that day when they, when they met us there. But what we won't ever forget is that they were there. Yeah. And that's what we tell people all the time. If you, if you know people who have lost a child, one of the very best things that you can do is just offer the gift of your presence. Yeah. Just show up. Yeah. Absolutely. Be present. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And you don't have to say the right things. Right. In fact, one of my favorite things that people have said to me would be when they would say, I don't have the words for you. Mm -hmm. I don't have any words for you. And if they said that, like, oh, good. I'm so glad you didn't try. Right. Because nobody has words for me right now. And when people try really hard to say something that will be encouraging or uplifting or make you feel better, it ends (laughs) up not really making you feel better. So it was so much better when people just were there and Mm -hmm. said, there's nothing I can say that's going to make you better. And that's okay. But I'm going to be here. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And then after the initial shock, you know, after a little time goes by, then when you have friends who will say, tell us about Ryan, what are some, what are some really funny things? What are some fun times that you guys had? We want to know about him, you know, and that as a parent is what you long for. Yeah. Yeah. What a gift. You want to talk about your child and you want other people to know what he or she was like. And Mm -hmm. that even though they're gone, they're still such a part of your, of your life and your whole psyche, you know? Mm -hmm. So that in itself is so helpful. Oh, it's just a gift. Yeah. It's a gift. Indeed. Mm -hmm. I remember reading something a while back that's that a dad had written online that said, don't you know, when you say my child's name, it sounds like music to me. Well said. And music sometimes Mm -hmm. makes you cry. Yes. It's okay. It's still music. That's right. Beautiful. That's right. We we would often tell people who, because we knew that people were afraid, they they want to do something or say something that'll help, but they're afraid that if they bring up your child's name or the fact that they're reminding you that you lost your child, we would tell them, first of all, we know we lost our child. You know, you don't, that you're not reminding me of anything I don't already know and take a risk and ask us because the chances of you saying something that is going to hurt us worse than we've already been hurt having lost our child is, is slim to none. So take the risk, ask us, you know, we, we love to hear our child's name and we fear that people will forget. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's no question. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. His birthday, his birthday is tomorrow. Right. Yeah. And we've got some friends that'll be sharing supper with us and Whitney will be with us. So that's very special. Yeah. 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 And we have a tree planted out in the backyard that the, uh, the people in our small group uh, on the first anniversary of, of Ryan's homegoing, they gave us a maple tree and okay. wrote us a really sweet letter. So we planted that tree 
in Ryan's honor, and we have lights on it, you know, like Christmas tree lights, Uh and we plug them in every single night, and we've done that since 2016, and Kathy just ordered a plaque a couple of weeks ago that I think it says Ryan's tree, and it's got the dates on it, and so when that comes in, she ordered that for his birthday, actually, but yeah. Anyway. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. So the small group you talked about, was that, what was that through? Our church. Your small group. Your yeah. church small group. And that's a group that you had before? Yes. Okay. All right. Yeah. 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 And there we're, some of us are still together. You know, yeah. people come and go in small groups, you know, if you've ever been in one. Yeah. Um, sometimes it's for mm-hmm. a season and sometimes they're lifelong relationships. But there's, you know, interestingly enough, there's one couple in our group. Their names are David and Lacey. And they were actually not in the group when Ryan died. Um, mm-hmm. So they didn't know Ryan. They joined about three months afterwards. Mm-hmm. And he's British and she's, she's American. They just kind of became those instant friends you know, mm-hmm. that, that just last seems like for a lifetime. And they both had daughters. We discovered a few months ago that once a month they were going out to Ryan's grave to the cemetery and they were putting flowers, fresh flowers, fresh flowers on his grave. And really? yeah. then they shared with us that um, even though and they never knew him. They felt like Ryan was the son that they never had. Really? And yeah. yeah. And I mean, I, we can't even put into words what that means to us. That, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, and we know that Ryan's going to meet him one day. I mean, they're, they're yeah. both believers. And I can't, you know, I can't wait to see that reunion <laughs> or that, I'm sorry, that initial meeting for the, for the three of them, because I know they're just going to connect immediately. It's so funny how certain people just really step up and you don't know who that's going to be. And oftentimes it's other bereaved parents because they understand you. But yet there are other people that just will just be there. I mean, I, I just think of one friend that I had that was really there for me after Andy died. It's actually my... My good friend Michelle said, so her name is Carrie. She said, I thought you and Carrie were really close. And I said, not really, actually. We just kind of did a carpool together. But after Andy died, Carrie just showed up. You know, I would be in my room and crying and upset. And she would be at the door, knocking on the door, knocking on the door. And I just remember one day finally going down and I said, I didn't even want to answer the door. You know, I didn't even want to answer because she said, we're going on a walk. I said, I didn't even want to answer the door. And she said, well, you don't understand. I wasn't leaving until you did answer the door. <laughs> and yeah, and it just makes me cry now because, I mean, she just wasn't scared. So many people are scared. I don't know why, yeah. but they're just scared of your grief. They don't want to be around it. They feel yeah. like it's catchy or something, contagious. But <laughs> I think a lot of people have that fear that, if they're around you, that it's contagious, you yeah. know, and, you know, and they so, don't know what to do with it. Right. Yeah. yeah. So to have the, the courage 
to do that like your friend did, that's an amazing gift. Yeah. Yeah. I, I can't tell you how much it meant to me when she said, because I did stay up here a while before I went downstairs and opened that door. And when she said to me, you don't understand, I wasn't leaving until you came to the door. I thought, okay, you know, okay. And, yeah. and that just made me know how much she cared. She yeah. really cared if I was going to come to the door yeah. or not, because it gets to the point where other people are moving on and they've gone back to their normal life and your family's not there anymore. And, you know, my kids were at school, my husband's at work, I'm not working. I just feel alone. And mm -hmm. like, no one even notices that you're just in your room crying all day. Right. But she noticed and knew what was happening. Yeah. Yeah. Right? You know, when, when you're, when you're in something that, you know, that kind of a traumatic loss and it turns something that turns your life completely upside down, you know, I'm sure that you probably discovered this as well, Marcy, that those events really help define true friendships mm -hmm. because we knew a lot of people yeah. that knew Ryan and that knew us. We had people that we were in, uh, a particular church with for 20 years who watched Ryan, you know, grow up. Some of those folks we never even heard from after we lost him. And then mm -hmm. contrasting that with this couple who never even met him, who have just been like anchors for us. It's just, yeah. it, it's just amazing. Yeah. yeah. I love that. Thank you so much to all of you that do that. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. That aren't afraid to really step out of your comfort zone and just show up. Those are like God's angels, you know? I mean, I know. They truly they truly are and they mean so much in your life because when you're going through those days of grief and you still have to you still have to do the normal daily things. You still have mm -hmm. to go to the grocery store. You know, and it's it's such a strange feeling to especially, you know, be in the grocery store and looking at all these people whose lives are just going on as if nothing yeah. happened. And yours is totally collapsed. Mm -hmm. It's it takes every ounce of energy that you've got to just go in the grocery store and get what yeah. you need and get back out to the car where you feel safe. Right. Because you never know when looking at a certain yogurt or a box of cereal will trigger in you and have it be just yes. too much, right? Quite yes. true. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I can remember many times going to run an errand and parking the car and sitting there and thinking, I can't, I can't do this. So I turn, mm -hmm. you know, I crank the right. car and I go home because I just, I couldn't do it. So those are, those are the really hard days. Yeah. I love that you said that because it, those things are really, really hard and people don't know that. People right. don't have any idea how hard it is to just do a little errand. Mm -hmm. I was recently 
saw again something online about how unhelpful it is when people say, call me if you need something. Yeah. Because you just never do. Nope. And, right. and it's really funny because there was most people are like, yeah, don't say that. But then there were a couple that got really offended. And I thought you have clearly never grieved before because they're like, that's the most kind, wonderful thing someone could say. Like, no, nope. really. it's not. Because not. you need to do something specific. Because if call me if you need anything, I'm never going to be able to come up with that. Right? Nope. right. You're going to get in the car and try to go to the store and not be able to just go and go home, but it won't have hit you like, oh, I should probably call someone and have someone do that for me because it won't even come into your head. It won't happen. Right. But if a friend of yours had said, I'm going to the grocery store, what can I pick up for you? Yeah. Oh, that's totally different. Yeah, that's what a gift that would have been. You would have given a list of five or six items. Right. It would have been a huge thing off of your plate. And what a relief. But it wouldn't have been something you could have thought to do to ask on your own. Right. No. And don't you think, Marcy, that some of that is because of the lens that they're the people that um, that think that it should be easy for us to do that. The lens that yeah. they're looking through is a lens of logic yeah. where, I mean, of, of course, if you need something, you know, right, right. Uh, you know, it's a nice thing to do to offer. But you're looking through the lens of a world that has been turned completely upside down. Mm-hmm. And a lot of things that to other people would would just make good common sense does not apply in your life for some period of time. While mm-hmm. because you're you're in such a state of shock, and yeah, and people don't really appreciate that. It no, because even listening to us talk, I'm sure they would have been like, well, of course, Kathy, just call someone and have yeah. someone go to the store for you. Exactly, yeah. like that's the logical thing to do. But it's there is no way that's going to come to you in your it head. Never crosses your mind. No, 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 never, never. You are thinking about. How I can't go in there because I can't walk past the yogurt or I can't walk past that box of cereal. Yeah. Or I can't. Yep. I mean, that's what you're thinking of. And those thoughts just keep going and going and going and going. And you can't break away to get to that logical part of the brain saying, oh, hey, somebody else could get me milk without walking past. Then I wouldn't have mm-hmm. to walk past the yogurt to get to the milk. Exactly. Right? Exactly. But you can't think that way. It's just impossible early in your grief, especially. People don't really realize that when we talked earlier about the when before we started recording, we were talking about how how grieving the death of a child affects far beyond the the emotional state of the individual. It's there's the physical impact and the mental impact. And people don't really realize what grief does to the brain itself. It does change some of the physiologic responses that we have and our ability to to do things that that should seem normally just very easy out of rote. Yeah. I think even going back to work early on, I tried to go back to work for a while and there would be names of medications that I just couldn't remember. I'll bet. Mm -hmm. I I just couldn't remember. And it was so disturbing to me because those were all things that I should know, really know easily. And I couldn't come up with it. Yeah. And then you're just really upset. Like, what is wrong with me? Yeah. Right. That I can't remember something that I've prescribed, you know, a hundred times before. Yeah. Well, I, I can understand that too, because I... The company that I worked for when we lost Ryan Marcy 
was so incredibly gracious and understanding and supportive. And I was able to stay out of work for two months. And mm-hmm. it, it was, an inc- I mean, to say it was a blessing is an understatement. Kathy had shoulder surgery two weeks after we lost Ryan. It had already been scheduled. So I needed to be there for her for that. But I don't think I could have possibly gone back to work because I, I was a pharmaceutical rep. So mm-hmm. I was in front of physicians and their staff all day, every day. I had constantly had to do conference calls. and Yeah. You have to be on, right? On all the time. Mm-hmm. And I just didn't see how I could possibly do that. And yeah. when I went back to work, I remember thinking, I, all of these people know me. I, I had been calling on most of these folks for, gosh, the better part of 30 years at that point. And so mm-hmm. I had a lot of relationships and most all of them wanted to know how I was doing. They would ask about Kathy. And so they were so compassionate and kind. And it ended up helping me because all day, every day for weeks, I shared our story. Yeah. And that's something if, if you're listening today and this and in, in you're in this place and it's hard to share your story, possibly. I would encourage you, Kathy and I both would encourage you, when you can, share your story. Because as you do, it really is, God can use that in the healing process, not only for you, but for somebody else who may be listening. And that part of it gets easier. And it allows you to process things at a level that you Mm -hmm. wouldn't otherwise. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Why on that vein, why don't we go and talk a little bit about what you've been doing this past year, especially because you've been doing some kind of new things. So just talk about how that started and what's happening now. I retired in the in February of 20, just okay. in time for COVID. Oh my. Yeah. So, you know, we go into lockdown. And so now I've got all this time on my hands and as I had said earlier, Marcy, we, we knew that we wanted to do something to help other parents who were grieving also. We just didn't know how to do it. We didn't know what it ought to look like. And up until that point, I just didn't have the time. So over the course of that summer, I just started writing, basically writing down our journey in almost like a journal form. Mm-hmm. And when I finished that, I still didn't know what to do with it. So I just started talking with a couple of people at our church with it, talked with our pastor about it. And they agreed that it needed to be shared, but in what venue and, you know, what format would, you know, would that take? So fast forward another year, two other couples who are part of our ministry, and it's called the Empty Chair Endeavor. Mm -hmm. Over the course of three months, they both lost a child. And we were all friends. Ryan actually grew up with one of these couple's kids. And so we all, we all knew we wanted to do something. And so that groundwork had sort of been laid at that point. And so we started meeting together in the, I guess it was the fall of 21. 
Mm-hmm. And it was a very, very fresh place of grief for, for these two couples. It just been mm-hmm. months. And we just started asking God to show us what he wanted us to do with it and what it ought to look like. And so from there, the empty chair endeavor was born. And our purpose with it was to was kind of twofold. One was to sort of bring at a greater level of aware, of awareness to the public, as it were, about what parents like all of us go through, you know, what it's mm-hmm. like to lose a child. And at that time, we didn't really realize it, but God ended up giving us a second aspect of that vision, and that was also to to minister to those who had lost a child. Mm-hmm. And there, you know, there are a lot of ministries that. Uh, there are a lot of grief ministries. There are some that are very specific to children, um, to parents who have lost a child. But we felt like that was what God was leading us to do. And that's what led us to sensing that we should start a podcast mm-hmm. to be able to reach people that we couldn't reach physically uh, outside of our immediate area of of contacts here in South Carolina. And so right. together with those two other couples, we co-founded the empty chair endeavor and now our podcast that's called hope after child loss Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and you are about 10 episodes in now aren't you about 10 episodes in and what we try to do is pretty much what you're doing marcy we just have guests come on and share their stories Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. we just believe that that connects stories connect people better than information yes yeah we just believe that as they share their stories it's as we talked about a few minutes ago, it helps in their healing journey. Mm -hmm. And what we want to do is to give people hope that you will experience life again. You can have meaning and purpose. And there is hope out there. We believe that 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 all of that is primarily found in a relationship with Jesus. Like I said, can't imagine going through this outside of a relationship with him. So, yeah, talk about that about your hope, about how you kind of felt like you came to that realization and that you found hope again after Ryan's death. Because obviously, we talked about the beginning, you were so devastated. I mean, any little chore was a struggle. How did you feel like you started to get a little bit of life back? You know, it is such a personal process, Mm -hmm. the grieving. And Greg and I, handled our grief in very different ways. I had already retired from teaching and he was working. So I had a lot of time on my own. The first year after Ryan died, I actually kept a journal and that I think really helped me a lot. And also being able to share with, you know, my girlfriends, we would go and have lunch. Mm -hmm. So that, that helped me. And Really, just as time goes on, and then when we got involved with the Empty Chair Endeavor and started that ministry, it kind of gives you something to focus on. Yeah. Something that you know that will, that God will use it in a very intentional way, and it will bring glory to Him because people see that there mm-hmm. that there is hope on the on the other side and you know it, it it brings glory to God and it also honors Ryan's memory which is 
which is very comforting to us. People always say, you know, time, time heals. Well, it, it does in a way, but does it make it go away? The hurt and the pain? Not really. It's always there with you. Yeah. But, you know, through God's, God's love and God's patience, he, he does bring, bring hope after, after child loss. Well, and whenever I hear that, you know, time heals all wounds or whatever, I think not really. I mean, because you, you need to work on it. It is hard work. Right. And it, it is work and grief is work. And if you stuff it away in a box and just think that time will heal it, mm-hmm. it won't. No. Because if you just try to hide, you know, and I've known people oh, that yeah. do this, like, I'm just going to, just going to work. I'm just going to work yeah. really hard. I'm not going to do anything else because I just want to plow through this first year. If I can get through the first year, oh, right. everything will be better. And then because they just feel like, if as long as I put time between the death and where I am now, the more time I'll just automatically mm-hmm. get better. But it's so it much is. more than that. Because I love how you talked about. I got together with friends. I talked with friends. I did. You were very intentional with what you were doing in your grief. Mm-hmm. There was. A, are you familiar with Levi Lusco? Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I can't remember the name of the book, but I think it's Run to the Roar, maybe. It, it's something about a lion, right? I feel like, yes, I've, I've got it sitting downstairs. Yeah, it, it's, oh. it's really cool because he he gives the analogy about grief because, you know, he and his wife also lost a child. And mm-hmm. he talks about how a lion, a male and a female lion hunt and what a lot of people don't realize is that when they go hunting, the male lion is the one who scares the prey, you know, that, that big ferocious roar. And his job is to frighten the prey so that they run in the opposite direction of him. But what they don't realize is that the female lion is waiting in prey for them to come in her direction. So he scares them in her direction. And then she ultimately is the one who kills them. If they instead had run towards him, they would be running in a safer direction because there was not a trap laying there for them. And so what he says, and it's what you were just, you and Kathy were both just talking about in practical terms is that we need to embrace the grief. We need to move towards it. Yes. Because as you said, you can try to outrun it and you can do that for a while, but eventually it will catch up with you. And when it does, it will probably be even more magnified. So if we embrace it Mm -hmm. and yeah, it's hard, but by being, yeah, it isn't hard. It no, isn't easy not. at all. It is. It's not comfortable at all. No, no. But it is yeah. really necessary to kind of get it's to the, the point healthier of way to do and it to get to that yeah. hope and healing. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I am so glad that you are doing what you're doing and that you came on the podcast today. And then I can tell my audience now that I, 
I don't know whose podcast we'll release first, but I'm going to be on your podcast too. Yep. And with my husband, Eric, and my my listeners always love the episodes that I do with Eric. Oh. So they, I'm sure, will love to tune in to your podcast. I, again, I'm not sure if it will be before or after. Whose will be released first yeah. now, but <laughs> you go over to their podcast. And their podcast, again, how they can find you? The podcast is called Hope after child loss and if it doesn't pop mm -hmm. up immediately on your whatever your favorite platform is you might also type in the empty chair endeavor mm -hmm. because there is another podcast yeah. called while we wait hope after child while, loss while we're waiting hope after child loss i know i was actually going to tell you that because they've been I on know. for quite a while and she's been on my really? podcast before i know her well i visited her she's from little rock arkansas it's a beautiful oh, wow. ministry and and yeah she's had that podcast going for over a year now they started that during mm -hmm. covid i i think yeah. It's maybe even a couple yeah. years old now. So, but but you're right. So you're, there are right. two now that are have very yeah. similar names. And, so. and we didn't know that when we when we named ours, <laughs> and when I was naming it in Buzzsprout, it did not. It didn't give me any kind of warning that there was something else similar to it. It's so funny because I was talking to Eric because, of course, we're going to go on yours. And he puts in Hope After Child Loss. And he goes, while we're waiting, Hope After Child Loss. I'm like, nope, <laughs> that is not the right one. I know that one. It's yeah. great, but yeah. it's not yeah. the right and one. And I will just, just add this, Marcy. If they want to know more about our ministry, they can just mm -hmm. go mm -hmm. to EmptyChairEndeavor.com mm -hmm. and learn more about what yeah. about what we do. And they can also access the podcast through the website. Well, thank you again so much. I really enjoyed talking to thank you. Thank you. Oh, it's been an honor. Thank you. Thank We've you enjoyed so this so much. It's nice to finally meet you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for listening. If you found this helpful and would like to support the podcast, please leave a five-star rating and comment. To help financially, you can text Andy's Mom to the number 53555 or visit the donate page on andysmom.com. Your donations are secure and tax-deductible, and we are now able to accept Venmo, PayPal, and Apple Pay. Always Andy's Mom is a registered 501c3 organization and can receive donations through smile.amazon.com Thrive in Financial, and Benevity, amongst others. Marcy loves hearing from listeners. Please feel free to reach out to her via email at marcy at Also, be sure to sign up for the email list to receive weekly updates as well as pictures of all of Marcy's guests and their children. Together, let's work to inspire hope one day at a time.